Last week we talked about, we left off in verse 11 of 1 Peter 4. We touched on it and I'm going to start there again as we move forward. If any man speak, this is a minister. We talked about the ministry of taking care of each other, loving one another, praying for one another, fellowshipping with each other, supplying things that our brethren and sisters are in need of as we walk through this life. Things which they cannot obtain of themselves. Things which they are to have that we are to be merciful unto and love and give unto them. There's a ministry in itself. From the little widow that sits on the back row and all that she's done in life, the gifts of God, to the mothers and fathers and grandfathers and grandmothers, to the children and everything, every gift of God, we are to minister to each other, including the ministry. We are to edify ourselves in the love of Christ as we all grow together in love. The love of God, which is God in us. And he talks about speaking where we left off in verse 11. And I'm not going to dwell on this very much to move into the next text, but speak the oracles of God. There is absolutely nothing in this Word, I'm speaking of Holy Red, I'm speaking of Scripture, which tells you anything other than you are a sinner, that you're separate from God, that by your nature you're at enmity with God, you hated God by your nature, you were very happy to be in rebellion against God, reveling in the things of the world and the darkness of the world. And Christ came into the world to save His people from their sins. Our salvation is in Christ and Him alone. What we preach, what we teach, is to glorify the Son of God. When we speak of the Son of God, we see the eternal Son of God who was made flesh and dwelt among us. He's called the Word of God. But we also see Him manifested as the incarnate Son of God, born of the Virgin, that's so important in the body of the man that He might suffer and bleed and die for us in His body and pay for our sins in our body. As His body came forth from the grave, our body comes forth from death. Someday we shall stand in the resurrection and our body will be raised up and I, we will dwell in our body with Him in heaven and immortal glory forever and forever and forever. Time it does not end. That's the Gospel of the Bible. That is the grace of God manifested in Jesus Christ. It's not your choice. It's not your work. It's not your money. It's not your warm, fuzzy feeling you get from doing something good to make yourself feel good. And you're going to see as we go through this next bit of text, just as he's told us, the purpose of God... In preaching the Gospel, the purpose of God in saving a people, the purpose of God in the church here in the world, in glorifying the Son of God. He causes that out. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. Each man different gift. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. This is the Father being glorified in the Son. Father, glorify Thy name. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. 
It's all about the glory of God. But now wait a minute. You said Christ. Yes, it's about Christ. Because Christ is God in the flesh. Christ is God manifest in the flesh. God will have a people that He dwells with where they can see Him and and touch Him and bow before Him. He is manifest in the flesh that He suffered and bled and died in. He has the man, Jesus Christ, in a fleshly body just as we have. To Him be praise, to whom be praise and dominion, Forever and ever. And that's the purpose of all things. Amen. Verse 12, starting a text. Maybe we can get through some of it. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Well, Steve, you are in my pocket today. You know, they burned Atlanta last night. wasn't Sherman this time. It was Antifa. Uh, they have raised up things that I see in this republic that God has blessed us with because His people came here seeking a place to worship Him in spirit and truth. Things which happen in this republic, things which happen in society, things which happen in this world which take us from every emotion to sorrow to disgust to anger. That's our flesh. That's our flesh. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Think it not strange that you are going to suffer temptation. Heard a preacher one time say at Ephesus, don't remember his name, he's a full-blooded Indian. He'd been preaching some years. He said, brethren, I still lust. I thought, well, welcome to the kingdom of God because God has enabled you to see that. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are here to represent the Lord Jesus Christ. While you walk in this world, Satan walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And you're going to suffer lust. You're going to suffer temptation. You're going to suffer anger and all these things. Peter says, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. God does not tempt any man. But God will test us. God allows us to suffer in this world that He be glorified. We face things. We live among things. Even if we never partake of them. Even if we never experience them personally. I've never killed a child. almost did one night through the cloud of the smoke and the fireworks and the projects, this little boy about eight years old is pointing a pistol at me. And I'm not going to say I pulled my gun because I did not. Because I'd rather die than kill an eight-year-old boy. But as it turned out, it was a toy. There's things in life that I've never experienced, but there are things that do happen in life that we hear about and we know about and it tries us. It disgusts us. All the nature of the flesh, the anger, a fiery trial, living 
as children of God, born of the Spirit of God in this sin-cursed, vile earth, things which trouble us. Why does it trouble us? Because we are born of the Spirit of God and God has called us out of darkness into light and all these things are darkness. We are tried by this. It's not some strange thing. When I read this verse of Scripture, I think of the Beatitudes where he starts in Matthew 5. He's talking to people that were new to faith. He was talking to people that were new to the truth. They had not experienced this before. And it's just like not being born of the Spirit and then being born of the Spirit. A babe in Christ. Why is this happening to me? You know, when I was a child in the 70's feel good doctrine, you were supposed to all your troubles would go away when you accepted what you cannot do, the Lord Jesus Christ, not in the realm that they talk about. You've got to be born to the Spirit to do anything. But your troubles don't end, your troubles start. And to someone who is new in the flesh, this could be a very troubling thing to a babe. In Christ. That's why we're told to mature. But he says, this is not some strange thing which has happened unto you. This is because you are my children. You're ambassadors for my son. I have quickened you. I have given you life. I have separated you from the world that you might show forth the praises of my son Jesus Christ. He says, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Nobody likes to suffer. But I'll tell you this, moving quickly. I'll tell you this. When we live in the world, and our very government is anti-Christ, I'm going to tell you, if I believe this stuff, these Arminians teach about the anti-Christ is going to come and all this stuff, you know where I'd start looking? In the White House. doesn't matter who sits in it. Our total government is antichrist. That's the way it is now. It is corrupted. And that being said, while we live in this world and our very government turning against the things of God, and it troubles us and it hurts us and it displeases us and disgusts us, we rejoice in the fact that it does trouble us to live in this world We rejoice in the fact that it troubles us because God is with us. We rejoice because Christ is in us and we are partaking of the same sufferings that the very Son of God suffered when He came into this sin-cursed earth. When He who could not look upon sin, He who is the Creator creator of heaven and earth, whom sin cannot exist before, and laid the glory of the Godhead aside, the very same suffering He had as He walked through this world, being ridiculed by people, being hated by people, being hated by His own, we rejoice because we're suffering in the same sufferings He had and therefore suffering with Him and therefore He is with us. That when His glory shall be revealed, when will that be? When the Son of God appears in the eastern sky, in His glory, hands in His feet, holes in His hands, holes in His feet, and the spear through his side, the crown of glory on his head. When his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad 
also with exceeding joy. We mentioned last week about that. And we mentioned about those that are the Lord's coming unto Him. He brings them there. He sits them there. He calls them by name. He gives them a kingdom. You notice, who does it? The Lord Jesus Christ. To the wicked, He says, depart from Me, you cursed and everlasting fire. There's quite a difference in the two. There's quite a difference in those that suffer in this world. My mind went ago, a moment ago to the funeral Steve's going to do today. And I thought about that beggar over there in Luke 16 that sat at the rich man's gate. That's a picture of a child of God. We're sitting there seeking the riches of God all our life and we're, we're starving. We have to eat from what is given unto us. Like Bartimaeus, we have to eat from the crumbs of the Master's table. But brethren, there was quite a difference when that rich man died and when the beggar died because now the rich man was without. And he's not cussing rich men. He's talking about one certain person. The reason he was using that terminology was because the Pharisees worship money. But the point being, that's a representation of the child of God in this world. And at the Christ coming and at death, He is there with Christ in glory. We look to the coming of the Lord of Christ, revealing His glory with great anticipation. We look for it to be today, yea, in fact, yesterday. Were it yesterday, we'd be seeing His face now and dwelling with Him now. But all of the wicked stand in fear. He said, if you be reproached for the name of Christ... For the be happy are ye. If you be reproached, well, it's your fault. It's their fault we can't kill all the unborn. It's their fault we can't do the things that we want to do, living in the pit of hell. It's their fault. If you've been reproached, they don't understand why you're not over there in Atlanta burning the city with them. They don't understand why you're not killing people and men and trying to destroy that which is good if you suffer reproach. Happy are you? You're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's where He says, For the Spirit, happy are ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Romans chapter 8, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did, those whom He called, He justified. Whom He justified, He glorified. You stand in glory in this world. It's not your glory. You have no righteousness. It is imputed to you and Christ. You have no glory. Ezekiel saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he saw the bow of glory around him. God, Christ brings you into the presence of God. His glory is upon you. Okay? It is His glory. The Spirit of glory. He's brought you to His throne. He's brought you to His presence. The Spirit of glory resteth upon you because you're walking in this world. You're suffering, living in this sin-cursed earth. As all you go through and all you see, you look to God in heaven who loved you and saved you. 
the Spirit of glory and of God. Make sure you know who it is. Spirit of God resteth upon you. The Lord said in Deuteronomy, My doctrine shall drop as the dew. God is very gentle. Rain beats things down. Beat down the grass, it'll beat down the corn, but dew falls so simple and so oft, soft and so gentle. God's glory He bestows upon you in the same gentleness. It does you no harm. When Christ appears in His glory, the earth shall be consumed in fire and He'll separate the sheep from the goats. That's not the glory that's... It's different. That is a sudden appearing to the wicked and to us and calling us to Him. But the point I'm trying to tell you that when you walk with God and you suffer for God and you seek Christ in this world and you come into the kingdom of God, the glory of God gently rests upon you. On their part, the evil, He is evil spoken of. Where is your God? Where's the promise of His coming? If He is God, where is He? They did the same thing with Elijah. When Elijah built the altar, and they built an altar, and they cried to their God, and they cried to their God who is not a God. And then Elijah cried to the God of heaven. And after pouring all of that water upon the altar, God consumed it in a moment. He's evil spoken of on your part, on their part. But on your part, you who walk in this world amongst all the devils and ungodly people and spirits and powers and principalities of darkness, suffering what is around us, suffering things that cause us anguish in our hearts. God is glorified. Because He separated you from the death and darkness of the world and given you light in Christ and you're here seeking your Savior. On your part, He is glorified because He has translated you here. He has saved you. He has written His law upon your inward parts. He has given you faith. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. We're not going over there to Atlanta. We're not setting cities on fire. That's not saying because we're good. That's because God... I love that verse, the love of Christ constraineth us. God keeps us from doing things. The Spirit of God in us leads us away from those things. Not in fear as the devils who believe have and tremble, but in the love of God who loved us when we were unlovable and came to this world and suffered and bled and died for us. A love, a reverential love, a reverential fear of God keeps us from doing those things. These things mentioned 
are things that we are to be removed from anyway by the birth of the Spirit. But as Steve told you, and I wholeheartedly agree with, we're just as capable of anything else in our flesh as any other person is. It's a grace of God that constrains us. It's a love of Christ which constrains us. But yet Peter is telling these people, think about this, you're born of the Spirit of God. You are walking through this world, especially in this day and age with our young children. You've got all this trash on every electronic device that goes across whatever waves they go across. Sitting, Satan sitting there attacking God's people, walking about in the roared line, seeking whom he may devour. Children need to hear this. God's children need to hear this. Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. We would suffer a punishment from the law, but a child of God also suffers a punishment from the Lord. Don't think God doesn't work on the heart. There's a guy in Birmingham killed a man when he was a teenager, drove him back in the woods, ran over some privet hedge where nobody went, left the car there. Five years later, what happened to him? Why did he do this? What I'm about to tell you. He turned himself in. He took us to the car where the dead skeleton sat. God works His way, okay? My thoughts on that was God worked on that man's heart. God caused that man misery. I don't know what God does and does not do completely at all times, but I know there's a great change in that man. He suffered from the Lord. We suffer from the Lord. Whom the Lord loveth, the Lord chasteth. We're not to kill. We're not to steal. And I love this, a busybody in other men's matters. We're not to interfere in other men's lives and covet their money or anything else they have. We are to live our lives, as Peter has already told us, in quietness and in meekness before God. We are to walk justly, as Steve's read to us. That means we keep ourselves straight and love the mercy of God upon His people and to walk humbly with our God. That's our job. That's what we're here to do as ambassadors for Christ. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, if you suffer while you live in this world, if you suffer from those around you, if you suffer even from your own brethren, don't think that doesn't happen. Christ's own people were against Him. The Lamb of God came into the world and they hated Him without a cause. They accused Him of mischief. They delivered Him up to be crucified. Don't think these things are not going to happen to you. It hadn't happened in this country in a long time, but there have been people killed in this country upon its first foundation, creation, that suffered death. You look at China. You look at Russia. You look at some of these Asian countries and especially the Mohammedans. And you see people being killed for the name of Christ. Yes, it happens to us. If any man suffer as a Christian... That's not just a child of God. That is a, they were first called Christians in Antioch. What is the definition of Christian? Christ like disciples in the church who sought to be like 
Christ, fighting this conflict in our soul, fighting this this nature, fighting the things around us. If any man suffer as a Christian, if you're if you hate being in this world because of the death and darkness of this world, if you hate the things that go on in this world, if it troubles you, if it causes you anguish, if it causes you suffering, yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be Ashamed. Is it in a song? I am not ashamed to own my Lord. I don't own anything. Everything I've got, God gave me. Everything belongs to God. The one thing I own is Christ because He is my Savior. And in that sense, I own Him. He came to me. He bought me. He saved me by His blood. And in that sense, I own Him. Let Him not be ashamed, but let Him glorify God on this behalf. How how do we glorify God? Again, ambassadors for Christ. Walking separately from this world and the enmity of it. Remember we said last week, or maybe the week before, the Lord told Satan, I will put enmity between the seed of the woman and thy seed, being Satan. God has put an enmity there. The Spirit of God is within us. We are turned of God to walk in Christ after Christ for the sake of Christ, for the glory of Christ. So we glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Pray for me. Okay. In Genesis 6, it repented the Lord had made man on the face of the earth because man was wicked. Every imagination of his heart was only evil continually. God had suffered that until the point that He had set the time. And God destroyed the wicked. As we've talked about, He didn't destroy just the wicked. He also destroyed those that were His children and in His eyes Righteous in the sense of being chosen in Christ, yet they were walking in the ways of the world. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. They were judged by God, okay? Now you can think about that sometime and let me move forward. In the time... Well, I can go between the two. Let's go with the time that God delivered them from Pharaoh and brought them out and those that sinned against God in unbelief, their carcass had to fall in the wilderness. This was the nation of God's manifest elect at that time and they were judged of God. I've said this many times. God is not concerned with the wicked. Their day will come and they will be cast into the lake of fire. 
God judges His people. Whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. Now considering those that are not God's children, their carcass had to die in the wilderness. And God then brought His people in. Now let's go to A.D. 70. He destroyed everyone in the city. Okay? Judgment began at the house of Israel. But the text is speaking of Christians, okay? The Lord chasteneth whom He loveth. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. If we walk in the way of the world, we're going to suffer. Judgment. God chastens us. God loves us. He, didn't, he does not... Cast us aside. If, the first, if it first began at us, what should be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? We know what happens. Second Thessalonians chapter one. They're separated from God eternally. They're cast into the lake of fire. Why? Because they did not obey the gospel of God. Who are those? The wicked. Those that are not born of God. Those that are not given to Christ. And now watch this. And if the righteous, this is God's children. This is temporally speaking in this world. This is not speaking of heaven and immortal glory. We are bought with the blood of the Lamb. There's not a devil in hell, Satan, Lucifer. Nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is not eternity speaking. This is speaking of here. If the righteous scarcely be saved... Where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? How are we just scarcely saved? Enter ye in. 7.13 of Matthew. At the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereout. That's a lot of the majority of God's children in this world. Not disciplined, not disciples walking in the ways of the world. And it leads, catch that word, it leads to destruction. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. If this is talking about heaven and immortal glory, there won't be but eight or ten there. This is talking about coming into the church, the kingdom of God, taking up your cross daily, following after the Lord, denying yourself, your nature, and following Christ. And there's no coincidence in the New Text in 7.15 he starts talking about false prophets because we brought that forth also. The things that are taught by man in this world that lead you astray and take away the glory of God and the glory of Christ and placing upon you or some wolf in sheep's clothing. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Outside, sinner appear. Wherefore, let them that suffer... I'm closing with this. You think about this. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Remember back in the last chapter, for verse 17, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. 
If it's God's will. Some don't suffer. Some don't suffer. They walk with this world and God blesses them. And some suffer greatly if it is the will of God. Commit the keeping of their souls to Him. To God. In well-doing, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with thy God, as unto a faithful Creator. We walk in this world surrounded by dark, vast evil. If God did not put a hedge around us, it would be far, far worse than it is. But God blesses us. He keeps us. It's not going to get any better. Evil men, seducers, we're waxing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceiving. We commit the keeping of our souls to God in well-doing. You catch that? When we walk with God, when we strive to be separate and walk with Christ, then we're committing the keeping of our souls to Him as unto a faithful Creator. God who cannot lie. God who cannot fail. God who cannot die.